direction by is the Washington Monument because it looks the same from all sides. Every angle. <laughs> Every angle. <laughs> and it was so stupid because the only reason we went for a walk was I was like, I want to see the White House at night. I was like, I think it's going to be so pretty. And then we go and we're walking around and it's so lovely. And then when we try to get back, of course, like that whole section, you can't cut through. You can't. So you have to go around. And it was so cold. I was so upset. I drank too much. I ate. I ate too much. Uh, the portions at the restaurant were too big, which I never say, but they were too big. Got and it. It was delicious, delicious food. But it, I had like meatloaf, like unreal, unreal. Lots of meatloaf. So all in all, the trip was great. <laughs> you just gave me the down low. <laughs> that it was very wild. All in all, the trip was good. Uh, the things we saw were great. Oh, and then sorry, the uh, uh, cherry on top was that the pop culture section of the history museum was closed. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. The only thing I went to see was not. <laughs> God, that's terrible. Well, good thing we only live 45 minutes away. Yeah. <laughs> good thing. Uh, so, but we're not here to talk about <laughs> DC or parking or the history museum. We're here to talk about history on the rocks with Katie and Allie. This is a podcast where we talk about famous women in history. We talk about good women and bad women and fictional women and non-fictional women from all times and places because women, they have nuance. Yeah, they do. <laughs> uh, but keep in mind, we are drinking the entire time and we're not historians, but thank <laughs> God that you guys are. We had so... <laughs> many people like talking to us this week and like uh -huh. giving us information first Tess and um Dr. Alicia from California mm -hmm. were both like right away like episodes not working you're the first two who <gasps> sent us messages so thank you because I could fix it by like noon because that was great I was on Perfect. my planning period when I got those messages and then Alicia Adams gave yes. us the message about the Civil War military bases changing names to women i'm so excited about that it is and then we had two people message us about the anime wong quarter i know which um one of them being olivia our wonderful sister-in-law slash creative director and that is the first u.s currency with an asian american on it wow ever that's crazy it is really cool and we um posted earlier in this year when they released the female quarters uh when they did the one for maya angelou so mm. i'm gonna have to post mm -hmm. about this one and then connor is coming to baltimore <laughs> what so she wrote in that she's coming to visit baltimore and she like asked what to do and see <gasps> and she's coming to visit the guinness factory that's right oh, near fun. here so i was like yes. go to old ellicott city but if Ugh. you want to like more hop and vibe go to Baltimore like the inner harbor uh -huh. but if you're not comfortable with the inner harbor just go to Towson yeah. <laughs> Towson is like the safer inner harbor or Hamden yeah Hamden, Hamden as well Hamden's very it's cute smaller but it has so many good bars and restaurants yeah oh. so guys thank you for all the oh the chatting so many sweet messages it is it's been a lot to talk about but um you're lost in D.C. Yes, you're lost <laughs> in D.C. And you cannot use the Washington Monument as a guidepost because, no. again, it looks the same from every side. Yeah, so please don't do that. So you have to keep your eyes glued on your GPS <laughs> while you're walking around D.C. Uh, don't take your eyes off of it. Uh, so because you're doing that, we're going to describe what these ladies look like so you can at least have a picture in your mind while you're lost in D.C. Mm -hmm. We're going to get a little physical, physical. Ellie, who are you doing and what does she look like? I am doing the Greek mythological queen Hera. Mm. And she is 
beautiful. She's mm-hmm. like a stunning middle-aged woman. She's got big captivating eyes and soft pale skin. She is tall. She's modest but elegant. She's usually pictured in these like long flowing robes and usually has a lot of birds around her, specifically like peacocks. Okay. Um, and some ancient sources say that Hera is almost as beautiful as Aphrodite, if not as beautiful Ooh, as Aphrodite. Okay. So that is what Hera looks like. And okay. she's purple in the Disney movie. Perfect. Isn't she purple in that? <laughs> she's like a purplish pink. Yeah. I feel like she's like a like a violet kind of color, but she has like a lot of pink elements And to I'm not her. talking about that movie at all. I just wanted to point out okay. that she is a fluorescent color <laughs> in the Disney, her 1990s version of Disney's Hercules. Okay. I, you know what's funny? I was just talking to Casey about that movie the other day because apparently James Woods loved playing fucking uh, What's-His-Face, Underworld. Hades. Hades. He loved playing Hades so much that he has, like Jody Benson, he will do every single Hades voice out there, whether it's a video game or a TV show or like a guest spot. Like it's anything. so fun. That is so fun. And when the movie was running out of money and they thought it might not get made, he was like, oh, I'll return my salary. I just want this fucking movie to get made. <laughs> it's like, James Woods, you're crazy. I love that. A. B, I saw a meme that was like, everybody whines about Pocahontas being historically inaccurate, but have they seen Hera loving her family? <laughs> Like, okay. Yeah. Have they seen Zeus being a yeah. good dad? Know, right? <laughs> okay. Who All are right. you doing? And what does she look like? She's so cute. I'm doing Grace Hopper. She is a tiny, fierce naval <laughs> officer. She was, it's funny because she was 5'6", or at least that's what Wikipedia says, but she seems smaller to me. She looks petite. And she weighed only 105 pounds. Okay, that's why she looks small. She just is a she tiny is person. Tiny. She's cut small. Um, when she was younger, she had dark hair that was always pulled away from her face. Uh, she has kind of a long oval face with long features. She has this kind of wide mouth and small wide set eyes. Um, in her older years, her hair turned white. She wore glasses, and you would be hard pressed to find her wearing anything else but her navy uniform. Uh, and that's it. It's like has like a little white and dark navy blue hat, and like she's glad. That's all I can picture her in is like her in that little uniform. There is an old literally woman. one picture I've seen yeah. of her over and over <laughs> again, and that's the one. Yeah, I'm, all the and it's funny too because like there are a lot of pictures of her when she's younger. And Never she's usually like in a group of men because she was like doing computer shit. And like someone was like, yeah, I always thought that she was like someone's secretary. And she's <laughs> yeah. like the only woman. So anyways, that's what Grace Hopper looks like. Awesome. <laughs> Can you tell me what I'm drinking? Yes. This it's is brown. Called, fully brown. Fully brown. Uh, this is called Hop To It. <laughs> Like Grace Hopper to it. Exactly. Uh, so I wanted to do um, an espresso martini, mm. but Grace likes to do things a little differently. So I added a little something special. So it is two ounces of gin, half ounce of coffee liqueur, half ounce of espresso, and then a half ounce of butterscotch liqueur. <gasps> this is going to be really good. I hope. Cheers. And then I topped it with espresso powder. Oh, it's Ooh. so good. It's refreshing. Mm-hmm. It's like coffee refresh. It's like an iced coffee with a little bit little kick. Just a little kick. Oh, I love Just that. how Prue likes it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but not too boozy. Like I really thought I was gonna taste the alcohol a lot. Yeah, more. and I don't at all. Because there's Actually. two ounces of gin 
and only an ounce and a half of mm. everything else. Weird. Mm. I mean, which makes it a true martini, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I like. Mm. This is great. Wow. Thank yeah, you. Delightful. All right. So what do you know about Grace Hopper? So we th- I know she was like a... I think she was one of the first women to be like an officer mm-hmm. in the Navy. Okay. I think. Um, I know that she pops up all the time on my algorithm <laughs> as like somebody to think about, which is obviously how she made the list. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know anything else about her life. Okay. I don't know. Like, I don't know anything. So teach Perfect. me about m- Mrs. Admiral Queen Captain general grace hopper you know it's i'm so glad we always do that part because she is i think visually known for being a naval officer but she as we'll come to find out is like the first computer programmer. oh interesting (laughs) besides ada lovelace besides ada lovelace (laughs) Um, the orange political engine yeah (laughs) so i got my information from the fierce podcast uh the youtube channel honeypot and wikipedia There was not as much on her as I thought there would be. (laughs) But anyways, Grace. Oh, also, I don't know shit about computers, okay? I got her new phone today, and I'm having a hard time. I had no idea this was going to be part of this story. Uh So Grace Brewster Murray was born in New York City on December 9th, 1906. She was the eldest of three children. Her parents, Walter Fletcher Murray and Mary Campbell Van Horn, um were like middle class people of Scottish and Dutch descent. Her great grandfather, Alexander Wilson Russell, was an admiral in the Navy and he fought during the Civil War. And her grandfather was a civil engineer in New York who spent a lot of time with his precocious granddaughter. He would take her out on surveying jobs with him and teach her all about the processes and the equipment. And she just loved every second of it. Now, we don't know too much about her early life, but we know that she was a very curious child and very interested in machinery and finding out how things worked and taking things apart and putting them back together. Uh, For example, at the age of seven, she decided that she was going to figure out how an alarm clock worked. (laughs) So she gathered all seven of the alarm clocks in her house and took them all apart. (laughs) Her mother was not super pleased, but she also wanted to be supportive of her daughter's learning so she said you can have one alarm clock to tinker with but we do need the rest (laughs) and this is one thing that both of her parents agreed on girls education was important and equal to the education of boys her father was an insurance broker but grace took more after her mother who had a lifelong passion for math but never really got anywhere because women were not encouraged to pursue careers in math or science at the time For her preparatory school education, Grace attended Hartridge School in Plainfield, New Jersey. And when she was just 16, she applied to Vassar College. She didn't get in her first try because her stupid Latin grades were too low. But she got in the next year and ended up graduating Phi Beta Kappa in 1928 with a bachelor's degree in math and physics. Then she earned her master's degree and PhD in math from Yale. And a PhD in math is not a joke. No. Even a master's in math yeah. is crazy. I can't even imagine. Uh, like, the subject level is very, very difficult. Just so dense. Mm-hmm. Ugh, so dense. Because, it like, all teachers have to get their master's within the first nine years. And, like, math teachers almost never get it in math. Hmm. They will get it in 
education or like something like that. But like a history teacher will get it in history. A science teacher will get it in science, not math teachers, because it is like you're doing like top level theory type shit. Yeah. It's crazy. It's absolutely insane. So she gets her PhD in it. Uh, And then in 1930, she married New York University professor Vincent Foster Hopper. And then soon after that, she was hired to teach math at Vassar College. But she was not particularly thrilled with either of these things that were happening in her life right now. (laughs) Um, But before we get to her relationship, we'll talk about her career path. Grace did not want to be a teacher. She wanted to be an engineer like her grandfather. She was like, my God, I've been an engineer since I was like a kid, basically. She was like, I know that I can do it. Um, but as she said in her biography, there was no space for a woman in engineering. So she was really pushed into teaching. That was like the only job they were like, you can do that. <laughs> um, but she was really good at it. Grace worked hard at everything she did. So she figured if I'm going to teach, I'm going to do it the best. She was an incredibly popular teacher at Vassar. Everyone wanted to take Grace Hopper's math class because she made it fun and engaging. And one of the ways she did this was by not staying complacent herself. She took all sorts of classes at Vassar, including zoology, architecture, astronomy. And she would find the mathematical principles in those things, in those uh, classes, and then incorporate them into her own class. This made math interesting relevant to what the students were learning in their other classes, and it made it more dynamic that you could apply these things to things that weren't just problems. (laughs) Cross-curricular learning! (laughs) She also had her students not only give her the right answer, but she said, use your words to explain your process, explain how you got that answer, explain the theory behind it. So I guess we have Grace to thank for that whole show your work bit in math, which I hated. Bitch! (laughs) (laughs) I hate you. It's like, good for you. That's Mm -hmm. smart. She even had a clock that went counterclockwise in her classroom to remind herself and her students that it's okay to go against what everyone else is doing. (laughs) I'm just going to say it's okay to take a step back if you need to. (laughs) Dang, girl. Okay. Uh, But the higher-ups at Vassar did not care for what she was doing. They (laughs) didn't like that she did things differently than every other teacher there. And they would hit her with this phrase that she just hated. She once said, the only phrase I've ever disliked is, we've always done it that way. I always tell people, tell young people, go ahead and do it. You can always apologize later. And students remembered her for things like this. They remembered her as an inspiration, a teacher who would help them visualize math in their head rather than just looking at it as a series of numbers on paper. She was making it 3d for them in their heads, which was really hard to do, you know, and that's just good pedagogy, you know, as we like to talk about a lot. So, um, which, you know, it's like that old thing. Like you always talk about this with especially college professors. It's like, just because you know a lot about X, Y, Z, it doesn't mean you should teach it. Yeah. (laughs) That's why when they're like people who can't do teach, I'm like, Oh yeah. People who can't do should absolutely not yeah. teach. <laughs> people who can do should maybe teach. Right. And people who know how to teach should, should definitely teach. teach. Even if you don't know how to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but before she could continue her fight with the school board, there was another fight going on. Pearl Harbor had just been bombed and the U.S. was suddenly entrenched in World War II. Shoot. And Pearl was not going to... S- Pearl... <laughs> 
I said that because Pearl Harbor. <laughs> she also kind of looks like a Pearl. <laughs> she, I wish her name was Pearl, but Grace Jesus. is a good name for her. Grace, I have a Grace this year, and I'm like, you're an old soul, <laughs> child. So Grace was not going to sit by and watch other people help her country. She wanted to join the war effort. So at 36, she broke her contract with Vassar to join the Navy. But there are a few problems with this. The Navy looked at her and they're like, uh, you're underweight and overage, ma'am. No thanks. <laughs> but she said, look, you are in desperate need of mathematicians for your projects. And I'm a really fucking good mathematician. So that's what you should use me for. So they reluctantly let her into waves. This is the female naval auxiliary program. And in December 1943, she was off to midshipman school. And she was like, this is it. This is where I've always wanted to be. She loved the Navy just more than anyone should love anything. (laughs) That's fun. That's good for her. Is she still married? So she was. But then when she kind of started to do all this, the marriage fell apart a little bit. Okay. So Grace is a pretty private person, so we don't really know what happened. But from things that we've kind of pieced together, it seems like when she was younger, she was like getting a little older and then was like, oh, I need to get married. So then she got married and then just didn't really actually want to be married. You know, it's one thing if... You get it, and then you learn to love that person, whatever. But she just like was like, oh, this isn't really it for me. Is there any chance that also she was getting vibes from her husband of, like, you're not the wife figure that I kind of expected? I feel like still in the World oh, yeah. War II era. I absolutely believe that he was like, uh, what do you mean you're joining the Navy? He goes, <laughs> you need to stay at home and, like, you know, grow a victory garden. He goes, this isn't okay. Right. Go um, ri- rivet some rosies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and like Grace never had children. So I also wonder if like she didn't want to do that. And he was like, you're a wife in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Like you need to have children. Or maybe she couldn't have kids. We really don't know. Okay. But either way, the marriage fell apart. But she wasn't, didn't really seem too bummed about it. <laughs> but now she's free from <laughs> academia, from marriage. And the military was oddly liberating <laughs> Her. I was going to say, academia and marriage, the two biggest stressors for any person. <laughs> so she is in the Navy. She's so excited, living her best life. And then she gets put on a fascinating project at Harvard University called the Mark One. Mark One was a 51-foot-long, 8-foot-high calculating machine that the Army was using to solve military math problems. The M-A-R-K one or M-A-C one? M-A-R-K. Yeah. Interesting. Um, And so military math is just like, you know, missile trajectories, things like that. Like how much force do you need to launch this fucking rocket? Whatever the hell. I really don't know. But this is what it's being used for. And this was a top secret device that is now known as the first computer. (laughs) Obviously, the first steps of any technological breakthrough are very different from what we use today. I mean, the calculator app on our iPhones is more powerful than this whole 50-foot-long computer. But you have to start somewhere. And also, this machine was annoying as hell to use. So basically, if you want Speaking wanted- as an AOL kid from the 90s, <laughs> I, I'm sure it was annoying. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Get out the phone. I'm on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> God. Do you remember when the streets were littered with AOL DVDs, baby? 
I'm do sorry, I. CD-ROMs. <laughs> do I? <laughs> Producer and I have been cleaning out the basement this week because of the fake surprise party for my parents. Um, they won't listen to this. Why are you this. having it in the basement? No, no, no. But my grandfather likes looking at foundations. <sighs> so we're like, we got to clean out the basement. And we found like a mixtape that Producer obviously gave me when teenagers. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, it, but, like a frowny face. God. And he was like, what did I do? And I was like, I have no idea of it. Now I want to know what's on this tape. You know, it's funny. I used to listen to a mix CD Jake made a lot when I was younger. Yeah. And uh, he's got a good music sense. Yes, he does. And it's why I know all the words to pretty fly for a white guy. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to say he has a good music sense. now. <laughs> <laughs> but then the best part about that CD, though, was it ended with a track from Eric's band and you're singing. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. You mean so Third good. Story Window? <laughs> you mean the elusive band? The elusive. <laughs> you know, you can find us on Spotify, I think. <laughs> because my older brother is obsessed with putting... I don't want to talk about it. Okay. okay. So <laughs> done with that. Great. Back to Grace. Not my Back night. Back to Grace. Um, so if you wanted to do a math problem on the Mark 1... You had to basically, you know, write, like, code the entire math problem on this, like, piece of paper. I don't want to. And then, like, feed it through the machine to solve each problem. And every time you wanted to do a new problem, you had to start from scratch. You lost me at paper. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, still, somehow, this is easier than doing it um, on pencil and paper by hand and by brain. Um, but it was so incredibly tedious like this sounded so fucking annoying so anyways this is the pro this is the project that grace is on and this was led by a guy named howard aiken and he was not happy to see grace on his team <laughs> he was openly irritated that the navy had assigned him a woman not only as a team member but she was number two on the project <laughs> but she was the best available person for the job so there she was and it's a good thing she was because Grace thought outside the box, and she said, you know what? I think I know how to make this better. What you've got with Mark 1 is a communication issue, so I'm going to fix it. Rather than starting over, every time a new problem comes up, she goes, why don't we create building blocks of a code that can be stored in a library, and then when we need the pieces of the code before the building blocks, we just pull it out of the library, and that way we're not doing it over and over again each time we have to do it. You mean like scratch coding? That's amazing. What is scratch coding? She's just like block coding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's Perfect. block coding. And so this first computer obviously worked off paper tape fed through the machine. So they literally like, okay, you want a library? Fine. Here's a broom closet. So a broom closet was the first place where computer codes were stored. Perfect. <laughs> um, so for example, if you wanted to put cosine into the computer for a math problem, you know, had the paper ticket that was in the library. So instead of like redoing it with all the computer symbols and whatnot, you just go to the fucking library and get the cosine tape. Right. And again, there's probably someone who is like, that is not at all what's happening right now. That sounds right. And if it's not, then I apologize. Sign, cosine, um, tangent. That's all sure. trigonometry. I Something understand. About there's triangles. some sort of shooting a message mm -hmm. that a missile and you I, have to know the speed, <laughs> distance, launch, angle i did see cosine i googled cosine and sine and cosine and i was like wow i had no idea that was for triangles um set them <laughs> <a> triangles <laughs> i'm calling aunt patsy immediately Call her now 
Pat I Barrett? didn't take trigonometry. You didn't take kidding? trig in high school? No, I don't. No, I took geometry. That was your highest level math? Probably. I think I took physics instead of trigonometry. That's a science class. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Oh, you can take like statistics and shit though. Like there are other maths. So I'm just surprised that that was the top. Maybe one. I did take trigonometry. Yeah, it's like algebra three. Oh, maybe I took algebra three. I took That's algebra trig. three. That's I trig. took all the algebras. That's correct. Okay, I have the memory of a goldfish. So, <laughs> <laughs> and so this is still how coding is done, but obviously a little different. So if you're old enough to remember coding your MySpace page, <gasps> you know exactly what I'm talking about. I am that old. <laughs> like, do you remember being like, oh my gosh, that glittery palm tree background is so cute. <laughs> I want it. And then your friend would be like, here's the code. And you'd copy and paste the code and you would put it into your MySpace page. I mean, I wasn't doing glittery palm trees. I was more, I was more in like the gothic realm, but like I understand what you're saying. Bracket, black, bracket. <laughs> Can I think about that sometimes? I'm like, I knew how to code a MySpace page at some point. Yeah. What happened to my brain? Girl, what? It's been through the ringer these last couple of years. I don't think kids understand what it was like to have a MySpace. No, but they do know how to code. They can code. Really? They all code in school now. Well, they all block code though. But they pull it like like this. Mm-hmm. It's stored in a thing and they pull it and they yep. like learn how to make a video game or something jumps or turns or moves or like it's a class in school how to block ah, code. That's so cool. Well, yeah, that's what she was doing. So she was a coder and a programmer before anyone had words for what she was doing. Like she's the first person doing it, which is so that's cool. cool. That's really cool. And of course, I'm sure people are like, uh, actually, somebody else was also doing this. But yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. We're talking about Grace. Yeah. So Aiken soon realized how much Grace understood Mark One. You know, because it's one thing being able to work on it, but she like really fucking got she it. She could like speak Mark One. Yes. So got he it. goes, all right, you're going to write the book on this. So <gasps> she did. She wrote the first computer manual called A Manual of Operation for the Automatic Sequence Controlled Calculator. It was 500 pages long, very dense, but it was the first real documentation we had for how early these early computers worked. Because that is Grace's specialty, taking complex math shit and translating it for people, turning computer language into English, into person words. (laughs) Thank God. So she worked on Mark 1 and Mark 2 and even helped with the programming that would eventually figure out the details of the atomic bomb. Crazy. She was also really good at finding the little problems, which was hard considering the machine was 50 feet long. So one day the the Mark 2 just like stopped working and they're like, what is going on? So they're looking for the problem and they found it. Uh, A moth had crawled into the system so they debugged it and everything started working again. So the reason That's where we, the phrase the reason no. we have that phrase is because Grace and her team actually found a bug in the computer. And apparently I didn't see it, but that moth is on display in the Natural History Museum. De- Not natural. The national National History. You saw the flag, yeah? Museum. Yes, I did. Thank God. Saw the flag. Thank goodness. So bugged her work. That is so <laughs> funny. Isn't that hysterical? That's a little tidbit I'm going to share at cocktail parties. <gasps> Do it. Just so you know. That's what this show is all about, honestly. Oh, yes, it is. Um, so her work proved so impressive that even her boss, Howard Aikman, had to admit that she was good. And in his own special way, he simply said, Grace 
was a good man. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Okay. We'll take it. I'll take that. I'll take it. <laughs> That's pretty good for that time period for the 40s and 50s. Love, Colonels. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, you know what I'm talking about. I don't, but I'll still giggle it's with you. It's such a good song. Um, so, <laughs> but despite her clear talent, her misogynistic boss ending up turning around, approving her work, and her deep knowledge of this computing device, it still wasn't enough to starp the patriarchal powers that be at Harvard. Her three-year contract was up, and there was no protocol for promoting women, so they said, you can't work here anymore. Howard Aikman got offered a full-time job as a professor at Harvard, but they didn't have any female professors yet. So she's also, like, an expert at computers but there's one computer in existence so that's not like her expertise is needed anywhere else like she can work on mark and that's like it yeah it's this very, is very like wilhelmina fleming of her yeah it's very frustrating um so suddenly she's out of a job in every direction she had nowhere to go and this sent her into a deep depression and unfortunately grace started to drink heavily in November of 1949, Grace was arrested at 3 a.m. for drunk and disorderly conduct. She was taken to a hospital and eventually released to her friend Edmund Berkeley. And he was shocked by the state of Grace and wanted desperately to help her in any way that he could. So he's trying to get her clean. He is trying to like figure out what he can do. And he ends up writing her this letter that's kind of like a an intervention letter. And this actually kind of does the trick for her because he tells her in the letter, your brain is too important to waste on alcohol. Like the world needs your brain. So we don't know the details of her recovery, but Grace did eventually beat her alcoholism and her life was on track again. She started interviewing for other jobs and finally got hired at a company called EMCC. Uh, this was a startup in Philadelphia and this team was working on building another computer. Mm -hmm sorry, uh, called the Univac One. So she was exactly the person for this job. Uh, and apparently there were a lot of other right women for the job because her team was mainly women. And this was because after the war, computer work oddly became women's work. It was like secreta secretarial. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like we think about the ladies from like Hidden Figures, like these women who were good at math, they were like, oh yeah, like you do all the tedious work. Like, we'll, we'll do all the man work of, like, building the thing and, like, launching the missiles. But, like, all the dumb shit, the programming shit, like, you guys take care of. Yeah, computer is such an interesting word because it was such a verb. Yeah. That has become a noun. Yeah. And I, like, it fascinates me to no end that that word has changed in half a century. I never really thought about that. Yeah. That's really interesting. A computer is something people did and now it's something people use. Yeah. Um, so while she was working there, she thought of another revolutionary idea. She's, she thunk, sorry. She think? She, she thunk? Think, she thunk. Grace thunk about it. Her brain is too good too to waste good. on alcohol. My brain is not. Whoa. It's only getting better with alcohol. <laughs> 
So she thought <laughs> maybe computer languages could be more intuitive and more based on, you know, English language. Like Java. Mm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure. Again, she's always thinking about how we can communicate better with the machines and how they can communicate better with us. So she invents something called the compiler in 1952. This was a device that translated the English language into binary code, a.k.a. computer language. <laughs> yeah, one zero one zero zero one one. But people were really skeptical. They said again, but we've always done it this way. And she goes, yes, but this is better. <laughs> <laughs> so for three years, people denied that this could possibly work. But once she started to show people that it was possible to, like, type in a word and then it goes through the compiler and it gets translated into binary, they were like, oh, my God, like, this is amazing. And they got on board. So now we have this device that has suddenly broken through the communication barrier between humans and computers, making it a thousand times easier to program computers. But there's another problem. There are a few different types of hardware that are existing at this time, and they're realizing that the compilers won't work the same on all of them because they're using kind of like different symbols and stuff to feed through the machine. So she goes, you know what? Why don't we have – there's obviously not that many computer makers right now, so why don't we have all the computer makers come together in this big conference, and we are going to design the universal business language for computers. Love it. This language was called COBOL. It was a language for humans by humans to tell all computers what to do despite it's their foo-hoo. separateness. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't, I couldn't help it. Boo boo. <laughs> oh my gosh. What year is it? <laughs> um, <laughs> so. <laughs> okay, I lost my place completely. That really for humans me. by humans. Yeah. Boo-hoo. <laughs> um, <laughs> this allowed. All right, sorry, <laughs> Jesus Christ. This was revolutionary. Yeah, and people agree that without the invention invention of the COBOL language, computers would have remained stuck. This allowed computers to enter the growth phase and begin the fourth industrial revolution. And one person who saw the potential in computers and in the COBOL language was Sam Walton. He thought, hmm, this would be really great uh, to track inventory with. And that's how Walmart became the giant that it is because they adapted computers so early. I was supposed to say, I know that name. Uh (laughs) So Grace invents this amazing thing. She's back working on computers. She's in her element. But there's still something missing. Grace really fucking wanted to be in the Navy. (laughs) In the Navy. She goes to the Navy and says, let me re-enlist as an officer. And I know I'm old. (laughs) I know I'm still underweight. But she says, I will come in and spread computer technology across the entire defense system of the United States. And they go, okay. That sounds good. Get it, get it, get it, get it. when Grace is in her 60s, she re-enters the Navy, and she starts teaching everyone how to use computers in the military. (laughs) 
And this was so exciting to her because the whole time she's been working with computers, she has this idea that one day average Americans will be able to do this. And that's why the communication was so important to her. She's like, we have to figure this out because regular people should be able to do this and harness this incredibly powerful technology. I mean, everyone talked about how good she was at explaining what was going on to people who were unaware or even scared of technology. So, I mean, she totally revamped the Navy's entire computer. She's so fucking cool. So Grace served 20 more years in the Navy, eventually reaching the rank of Rear Admiral Officer, which is the equivalent to a major general in the Army. Damn! She's so high up. <laughs> a man named Jay Elliott described Grace Hopper as appearing to be all Navy, but when you reach inside, you find a pirate dying to be released. <laughs> <laughs> She officially, she was one of the highest ranking women. So there is, she wasn't the first woman to be like a captain or a rear admiral or something, but she was one of the very few women to be a rear admiral and hold such a high position. Um, so she officially retired from the Navy on August 14th, 1986. And at the time of her retirement, she was the oldest active duty commissioned officer in the United States Navy. She was 79 years old. So we're all aware August 14th, 1986 is Sean Wickstead's first birthday. Oh, my God. Just so we all know. Wow. Out with the old, in with the new. <laughs> Am I right? Um, <laughs> following her retirement from the Navy, she was hired as a senior consultant to Digital Equipment Corporation, a.k.a. DEC. <laughs> They straight up offered her the job, but she insisted that she go through the same interview process as everyone else. <laughs> Grace's job at this company was mainly to be a goodwill ambassador on behalf of computers and computer science. She would represent the company at forums and conferences. She would go on lecture tours and give speeches about the history of computers, where they were now and where they were going. She even appeared on the Letterman show to talk about computers. Hey, Grace. <laughs> hey. Uh, and of course, she always wore her full Navy uniform wherever she spoke. She made computers seem not so scary. I mean, she said once, she goes, you know, when, com when telephones were invented, people were horrified. They thought they were like filled with ghosts. Like when new technology comes out, it's jarring to people, especially like these big machines. So yeah. she was like, I am going to hold America's hand while we enter this new, brave new world. <laughs> I mean, because people were seeing her and they're like, okay, if like my grandmother can do it, like, so can I, like she's working on computers. Like I can do this too. Grace ushered us all into the computer age and we didn't even know it. Grace continued in her job until January 1st, 1992, when she died in her sleep of natural causes. She was 85 years old and buried with full military honors at Arlington National Cemetery. I mean, Grace did so much to create the world that we live in now. And of her long life and long career, she said, the most important thing I've accomplished, other than the compiler, is training young people. They come to me, you know, and say, do you think we can do this? And I say, try it. And I back them up. They need that. I keep track of them as they get older, and I stir them up at intervals so they don't forget to take chances. Oh, and that's 
Grace I love her. her. I love her. Spitfire. She's great. I love her. And like, she just explained things so clearly to people, you know, and with a fun kind of energy, you know, because like nothing is worse than like hearing a boring person talk about computers. But Grace was not boring at all. So I just, I love her. (laughs) That's really cool. Yeah. So yeah, that's Grace Hopper. Amazing. Are you ready to get more drinks and talk about our next less, less peaceful woman? (laughs) Yes, let's do it. All right. We're back with our second cocktail. It looks bubbly and delightful. (laughs) What is it? So I really wanted a gold cocktail, but I didn't think far enough in advance to get like that shimmer stuff that can go in it. Have you ever seen that? Uh It makes them look like um, translucent, but like shimmery. But anyway, I couldn't find that. So this is called Royal Vengeance Mm. and it is champagne, gold slogger, Vanilla vodka, and I wanted gold sugar for the rim, but nobody had like gold sprinkles, oh, so lame. I just put regular sugar on yellow icing. But everybody else just get gold sugar. Okay, perfect. Cheers! Cheers! I could taste the cinnamon mm. right away. Right away. Mm. And it's funny because when you look at it, it looks like you're going to taste like lemon uh-huh. or it just looks like regular, just plain champagne, champagne. but it's not. Mm. I wanted it to be very gold for my, my queen Hera. Yeah. That is delightful. I really like it. Thank you. Mm. Okay. What do you know about the Greek goddess Hera? Okay. She was Zeus's like main wife, main wife, main wife. And I think in the Roman mythology, her name is Juno. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, I know that, yeah, that's pretty much all I know. Cause I know that Zeus cheated on her like a ton and was like yeah. a really, really bad person. Um, and I feel like Hera did not like that and she was kind of vengeful and yeah. would kind of curse people <laughs> for her husband's terrible actions. Yes. Um, but yeah, but that's all I really know. <laughs> well, that's the story. So I just, Hera I think is angry, but I also think is really misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And the more I read about her, like this is going to be a list of Hera's wrongdoings. That's Mm -hmm. what this story is. That what that's what Hera's mythology is. But I also think when we look at the root of it, there's a reason it's written like this by men. And there's a reason it's so like received by women in such a powerful way. Mm -hmm. So I think if we kind of like take it from that angle, it'll be really helpful. Okay. So I um, read a lot online about her. I listened to a couple episodes of Ancient History Fangirl. I listened to a couple episodes of Let's Talk About Myths Baby to try to, like, piece out some of her more, like, popular myths. But I was actually surprised that she doesn't necessarily have, like, a story of her own. It's more, like, linked to these other gods. Right. Like, she's kind of like a 
the Judy Greer yes. of the uh... exactly. <laughs> She's exactly Judy Greer. <laughs> Everybody, of the mythological world. Next SAT question: <laughs> Judy Greer is to movies as Hera is to Olympus. You're like you're actually the most talented person here, but you're <laughs> but... always put in the side role, <laughs> and you're adorable. And that little girl who played you in Thirteen Going on Thirty, ah, perfect casting, perfect casting, perfect. Where is she now? Who knows? Maybe she's Judy Greer. <laughs> in the future. In the past. Okay. Hera is obviously one of the most famous Greek goddesses. She is the queen of the gods and the wife and sister of Zeus. She is the goddess of marriage and birth and famously is very vengeful towards her husband's lovers. She was born... When the Titans were the supreme beings. So there's like technically mm. three eras. There's mm-hmm. like the first era and then the Titans beat their parents and took over. And now, you know, the Titans are in charge of the cosmos. She is the daughter and the, of the youngest supreme Titan, Kronos, and his wife, Rhea. Rhea gave birth to six children but Kronos really struggled with this because he had heard that prophecy that one of his children is going to overthrow him Mm -hmm. so this is kind of like where all of the Olympus gods come from Mm -hmm. so each time Rhea gave birth to a child Kronos would imprison them in his stomach by swallowing them so Hera spent all of her early childhood years imprisoned in her father's stomach with Hades, Hestia, Demeter, and Poseidon. So she's all up in there with her brothers and sisters. The only child that was not swallowed was Zeus because he was the youngest. And Rhea, by that point, had tricked Kronos into swallowing a stone instead of swallowing Zeus. Mm. So he grew up, I believe, hiding on the island of Crete. Mm -hmm. That sounds right. Yeah. (laughs) He eventually turns. And kind of tricks slash forces Kronos to throw up the prisoners of his stomach by making him drink poison. And Zeus then leads his siblings in this 10-year war against the Titans. Obviously, he's the only sibling that has any outside of the Mm. stomach experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So during the war, Hera's not really fighting. She's kind of sequestered away on this island with these other two titans and the seasons as her chaperone. So I'm Hmm. not quite sure why she's not allowed to fight, but it seems like all of her brothers and sisters are a part of this war and she is not. Well, it kind of almost seems to me like they're like, well, you're going to be the child bearer. So, like, we can't lose you. Right. You know, so, like, you go over here. The other woman in the stomach was Hestia, and she's one of the three virgin goddesses. Yeah. So, it's, she is the only child bearing daughter of Kronos. Yeah. So, I think that that's probably why. Mm. And, you know, and you said she's the goddess of marriage and birth. So, it's like you have to protect those things because then what are you fighting for? Right. So she's off to the side. (laughs) Zeus and his siblings do conquer the Titans and he splits the realm up between himself in the sky, his brother Hades in the underworld and his brother Poseidon in the water. As we said, Hera is the goddess of marriage and childbirth, but not of motherhood. So she's not like the mom God. She's the childbirth God. Hmm. Um, And much of her mythology revolves around her marriage to her brother, Zeus. 
Many of our most noble goddesses, like we just said, are virgins. The three virgin goddesses are Athena, Artemis, and Hestia. And then Aphrodite, as we know, is just this amazingly beautiful woman who is the goddess of love, having an affair with Ares, but married to Forge Guy. No, the Forge. God of the Forges. Hephaestus. Hephaestus, who is like that name was apparently super ugly. <laughs> anyway, it's a fun thing. She loves Hephaestus, but she's having an affair with Ares. Whatever. Okay. We'll get to that later. So she's described at this time before Aphrodite as one of the most beautiful of all the goddesses. And for this reason alone, Zeus wants to marry her. He's like, don't care if she's my sister. Grew up in his stomach. This is super common among Greek nobles to marry their siblings. Um, And she resists his advances. She's Mm. like, I'm the goddess of marriage. I don't want to marry you. I don't want to be a part of this. But he tricks her. Um, He causes this thunderstorm and turns himself into a cuckoo bird (laughs) and flies into, like, her room, like, for refuge. I'm picturing, like, Fantasia with the little Pegasus, like, Uh, flying to their uh, moms. uh And she takes pity on the bird and shelters it, at which point he turns back into himself and, like, takes a hold of her and... She's refusing to sleep with him. And he's like, if you have sex with me, I promise I'll marry you. And she's like, oh my gosh, fine. Wow. I did not realize how old that line was. <laughs> exactly. We all got it from Zeus, we baby. We all got it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The lie heard around the universe. <laughs> my God. Honestly. Because... She's not interested in an open marriage, and she knows her brother. Right. And she just, like, she's very against this marriage from the get-go. After Hera and Zeus are married, she becomes the queen of Olympus and sits on a golden throne. And she is second only to Zeus. She is the highest-ranking god Highest ranking female goddess, highest ranking god other than Zeus. She has so much fucking power. But um, Zeus is kind of a dick. <laughs> and um, like there's a lot of stories about how Zeus came to wed her. And the one I told is the most popular. But I just think that her being a child of a titan and being nobility is a story we've told over and over again the authors of this story are men Mm -hmm. and they're telling us what women are supposed to do be subservient to your high-ranking brother be pretty sit on the throne do what you're supposed to do well and it's also (laughs) the the underlining story also is and if the person that you the the woman you want to marry isn't agreeing to marry you then trick her (laughs) you know it's almost like a guidebook for like how to get what you want, even though the person that Said you want no. is saying no. Right. And that is also another thing that has persisted throughout all time. It has. <laughs> but I find it so interesting that because Hera is a goddess, she was people were willing to write her as mad about this. Mm. And her entire story is her being mad about this. Mm-hmm. Together. The two had multiple children. I think Hera ends up having like 13 children or something. 
almost all of them by Zeus. Some of them are very famous. She births the goddess of maternity. She births Ares, the goddess of war. She births Hebe, the goddess of youth. She gives birth to nymphs, to gods of the underworld, to the gods of liberty, to gods of beauty, to gods of discord, and even to like the personification of liberty. Mm. So she's having a lot of really powerful children with Zeus. But her most interesting child is Hephaestus, aforementioned Hephaestus. He's the god of the forges. And according to the legend, she gave birth to him without Zeus. He is fatherless. So what we know is that Zeus gave birth to Athena without a partner because he wanted to have a child without a partner. And she's just like cut out of his head or whatever. But then Hera is like, well, I want to give birth without a partner. So she does. And she realizes she's given birth to an imperfect son. He's ugly. His one leg doesn't work all the way. And she throws him off of Mount Olympus. So what we're saying here is that if Zeus has a child on his own, he gets Athena, the the Mm -hmm. god of wisdom. Mm -hmm. And if she does it by herself, she can't handle the child and throws them from Olympus. Which is really disconcerting. Well, and again, it's like, like you said, we have to look at this from the perspective of that it's men writing it Mm -hmm. and men continuing the stories. Right. And I think it is a cautionary tale Mm -hmm. of like, don't try and leave your husband because this will happen. Alone. You won't be able to do it. You won't succeed. You will not succeed if you are a single mother. Right. That's That's what that means. Yeah. And then her child comes back to have a reconciliation with her by building her this beautiful golden throne. But when she goes to sit on it, she gets stuck. He trapped her in this throne and the other gods beg him to come back. They're like, no, we absolutely need Hera back. She's very important. Send her up here. He won't do it until they send Dionysus down, the god of wine. Mm -hmm. And he gets Hephaestus drunk and brings him back up. And then Hera is freed only when she agrees to give him Aphrodite as a wife. So you have, like, the ugliest god with the most beautiful god. And, like, the story between Hephaestus and Aphrodite is actually pretty cute. Like, when you read it in a lot of books, like, they really love each other, but she's the goddess of love and still having this affair with Ares, and she kind of resents herself for that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of cool things that go on, but... This is all because he tried to entrap his mother who threw him from Olympus. He was not allowed to come back to Olympus because she was ashamed of what he looked like, mm. which is not cool. No. Um, as we know, Zeus is far from monogamous and Hera spent her time dealing with his large variety of lovers and she took vengeance on them and their children. I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that she's obviously the goddess of marriage and she feels made a fool of. There is nothing worse than somebody making you feel dumb. Like you look stupid and everybody else around you knows except for you. Yeah. And it's like my one job is to be the goddess of marriage and I can't even make my husband monogamous i can't even make him love me you know what i thought i thought about that this week 
when you know all this Adam Levine stuff is mm. coming out and his fucking te- Instagram messages with that girl and like someone posted a video of his wife literally walking the Victoria's Secret fashion show as this big angel and she looks amazing you yeah, know and she's he, gorgeous and they're like blowing into their kisses whatever the fuck they're doing and it's like this girl wasn't enough you know and it's like fuck like what are we supposed what to are do? we supposed to do <laughs> literally exactly. a secret model couldn't hold yeah. something you know it's just it's i hate you know because we're supposed to be beyond this and like mm-hmm. you know but also it's like sometimes we're like what is happening what's happening <laughs> and like i was thinking about it with um beyonce's like lemonade album uh, and i was yeah. just thinking about like her song crazy in love like you have me looking so crazy like i'm not the crazy one you're fucking this up like i just kept thinking about it over and over again like that's how she must have felt such like she's the queen yeah and like you're making her feel and i mean beyonce and Hera, and you're making her feel such a fool that's so upsetting and men can do that so easily so easily the only woman i know of who's done it to a man is jada pinkett smith (laughs) (laughs) she has made him feel a fool via her relationship status which is like their own business but like i it's it's really it throws you off your rocker which is why will smith went crazy and like hit somebody at the Mm -hmm. oscars because when you feel made a fool of it is the worst it makes you feel so vulnerable yeah and i feel like that is a really hard feeling. It's so hard. Vulnerable. Okay. <laughs> so we feel bad for Hera. We feel I bad. feel bad for Hera. God, she is. And it's frustrating too, because if, you know, and you know what's, okay, I'm yeah. going to get real right now, right fucking now. You know what's also get annoying real. as hell yeah. is they would never make a male god the god of marriage. No. What the fuck is that bullshit? Let's get it. Let's get a boy on this. Why can't fucking Hermes be the god of marriage instead of the god of the messages? Yeah. Stop sending messages and marry me. <laughs> you Hermes. bitch. <laughs> Hermes. <laughs> Take off your shoes with the little wings. <laughs> Andre the <de> shield. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like. Okay, Benny the Jet Rodriguez. <laughs> can, you, can you stop running around and marry me? That boy does need to marry me immediately. I'm already married. <laughs> He's a thousand. <laughs> He's a thousand. Man. I need to watch that movie as soon as possible. <laughs> it's good. There's so much cussing. I watched it with our kids when they were like too young. And I was like, holy shit. But I mean, as an adult, you don't notice. So it's fine. No. Okay. And also, it's like something that your parents showed to you. So like, yeah, my parents yeah, showed it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. It's my dad's fine. favorite movie. <laughs> There's not any racism, sexism, or language in this I movie. I know two things about my dad. He loves the Sandlot and Angry Beavers. <laughs> Perfect. Both fine. Your dad's an American hero. <laughs> That's what that means. <laughs> I love him so much. He's perfect. He was so funny today at the Verizon <laughs> store. All right. Obviously, everyone who's been to a Verizon store, talked to customer service, knows perfect. that, like, not mm-hmm. the best folks. And we had such a good experience <laughs> today. He goes, I need to get your phone number. He goes, I need to remember your name. I'm going to take a picture of you. Just kidding. He didn't take a picture of him. Yeah. But he was like, I'm going to come to you every time. I hope you know that. He goes, you're my Verizon guy. He goes, I've never <laughs> left the Verizon store in a good mood. <laughs> you're my Verizon guy. 
Sean. That's a perfect uh, thing to say. I don't remember his name. It might have been Sean. It could have so been. So anyways. Most yeah. likely. <laughs> could have been Sean, Michael, Matt, John. <laughs> they all live in Parkville, Patrick. so it's fine. <laughs> Everybody's there. Okay. This is so great because I'm pointed. He goes, da, da, da. Because my dad was like, you know, we cut the cord. We didn't do cable anymore. And he goes, yeah, you know. <laughs> he goes, when I moved into my dad's basement, he goes, do you want me to get you a separate cable box? And he goes, no, I use Netflix. <laughs> This is my dad's Verizon guy <laughs> Listen. living it up in his dad's basement. Which, by the need... way, if you're doing that, no shade on yeah, you. Yeah, all you need is a good Verizon guy. I... <laughs> good for him. I just love that. He goes, when I moved into my dad's basement. <laughs> I changed my life. Changed my life for the better. Cut the... Have been moving... <laughs> I cut the cord. He might have been moving away from some really toxic people. So good for yeah, him. Yeah, good, for, <laughs> good him. for him. Let me tell you, my parents' basement, my parents basement was plush. It used to be when Jake was in charge of it. Yeah, then Zach. Ruined. Why didn't we? Well, why did we flooded. ever let anybody else in charge of that basement? <laughs> also it flooded, so that wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fault. that's not Zachary's fault. No, um, actually, Casey and I were down there the night it flooded. Oh, fun fact. Dude, what were you doing? I was trying to do something, and Casey was not having any of it. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> we were watching Doctor Parnassus. Oh, fun. And yeah, I remember like cuddling on the couch and like, I was like, this is it. We're going to date now. And then my hand went down and it felt a ton of water and the entire basement was filled with water and we didn't know. Oh my God. That's so fun. I, I've never heard that story. Really? <sighs> yeah. We're that adult was like humans. Casey and I's game for a while. Okay. We're like really on a tangent now. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> if you okay. want to find out more, follow us on Patreon. Follow us on Patreon. We'll talk about the flooded basement. All the, uh, Jake and I unbroke up in that basement. So that's really <sighs> What good. a basement. What a basement. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... From the next couple of minutes, I really need to talk about just all the things that Hera did okay. because she's sitting on this throne and they're like, she's a queen. But inside the throne, she has to do some shit because her husband's just fucking people and having children. <laughs> so there's this one story. Hera is married, just newly married, newly. She's so happy. Goddess of marriage. She finds out that uh leto is pregnant by her husband mm. just mm. as she got married Ugh. and when she discovers this she goes into a violent rage and she asks the nature spirits to prevent uh, her from giving birth on solid earth so zeus calls up a solid from his bro and poseidon gives her a floating island so she's not giving birth right anywhere because that's What's her face? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're getting Sorry. there. So Leto. you tell the story. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Thank you. So Leto then gives birth to Artemis, mm -hmm. who turns around to help her mother birth her twin brother, Apollo, who comes out, some say nine days later. But that is because Hera was a fucking messing with the <laughs> gods of childbirth. She was like, I want to make this childbirth as painful as fucking possible for this woman who's birthing my husband's kids. Can you imagine having contractions for nine? No, I both of mine, my labors were 22 hours <gasps> and 24 hours. The two Fuck. of them. And it was terrible. And I had medicine. This is a grease. So when you're talking to women and they're like nine days, that's crazy. They're like, don't fuck up with Hera. She'll piss you off. Oh like, don't gosh, do that. The absolute worst. 
And I mean, it's crazy, but I mean, now we have Artemis and Apollo. So thanks for that. We like them. She also had a really deep obsession with trying to kill Hercules. But this is, Mm -hmm. this is the most understandable because Zeus has a relationship, not with another goddess, but with a mortal. And she's married. So now there are two marriages being broken up. And the icing on the cake is this mortal woman in honor of her names him Hercules, which means glory of Hera. Oh, oh, no. Okay. So she is like, fuck this woman. This woman doesn't know that Hera is upset. This woman had sex with Zeus because he wanted to. And and she's she's immortal. She's immortal. Okay. She's already married to another mortal. And and now Hera's like, we broke up two marriages. And they named their kid after me? Like, how fucking dare them? (sighs) Yeah, that's so fucked up. Yeah. Again, I'm sorry. I keep picturing Disney's Hercules, and it is a very different picture. (laughs) But some of that shit happens. So she does mess with this woman giving birth. Mm -hmm. She does send two snakes after (gasps) Hercules as a baby, and he kills them and (gasps) plays with them as toddler toys. Oh, I didn't know that. And she, she wants to kill this baby. She's not down for this baby. Okay. Specifically, at one point, Zeus tricks her and says, "This is you're the child, you're the childbirth god. There's this baby who's all alone and it needs help, so she's breastfeeding this baby. She finds out it's Hercules, and <laughs> rips him off her breast, and the Milky Way exists. <laughs> Shut up! Shut up! The Milky no. Way exists because Hera ripped Hercules off her breastfeeding breast." How has that stayed in the language for that long? <laughs> the me- get I your lactate out here, don't. girl. Get it. Get it. That's it. That's bananas. Okay. It is. Okay. It is. We're doing it. But Milky sh- Way. <laughs> Write it down. I will. Take a picture of it. She is so upset. And she tortures Hercules his entire life because he is a demigod. So he is very strong. He's a very Thor-esque figure he defends the world but she throws everything at him and because she does that he becomes famous and it also makes her look so petty this is reframing the whole movie it's so upsetting it's not hades (laughs) it's It's her her. (laughs) she threw everything at him it makes her look super petty it makes her look crazy and it's a like, I just, I'm upset about it because it is a mistress's child who's named after her. She's upset. He's half mortal. Like, everything is going wrong for mm-hmm. Hera. <clears throat> well, and also, it's pro- it's probably frustrating, too, because she's like, I'm powerful. I should be able to take care of this fucking baby. And now I can't. Because for some reason, like, everybody on the earth loves him. And it's, fr- I can understand her frustration. That's the thing about Hera. You can understand every decision she makes. She's really upsetting. <laughs> so the unthinkable happens and she drives Hercules mad to the point where he kills his wife and children. And that is her end game with Hercules. Oh, God. So then there's the priestess, Io. And she's a priestess in Zeus's temple. And uh, 
Zeus is kind of liking on her. So Hera turns her into a cow. And she's like, <laughs> listen, you're going to be a cow. And I want you to be tethered to this tree. And then she sends Argus, who has the eyes of a peacock. He's the all-seeing Argus. Mm-hmm. And she's a big peacock girl. Um, And she's like, go there. Be a cow. Be on this tree. But then Zeus finds out and, like, goes and has sex with her anyway. Because Zeus is terrible. He, like, mm-hmm. keeps going and having sex with everybody she doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. And then he also kills Argus, which is, like, her prime bodyguard. So she's like, fuck you, Zeus. Then another victim is Lixion, who was brought to Olympus by Zeus because he was lusting after Hera. And Zeus didn't like it. So he brings him to Olympus. Even though Zeus is fucking everybody. He brings her to this guy to Olympus. And makes a cloud poof. A hologram of Hera. And Lexion has sex with her. And then Zeus gets so pissed that he did that. That he punishes him by putting him on this spinning wheel in Hades in punishment forever. So he's in Hades being spun forever because he had sex with his wife. A cloud of his wife. Not even his wife. Not even his real wife. A cloud of his wife. A cloud of his wife. Which this is really important. This is important that men are writing this. We have to understand that. Because even the idea of someone having sex with your wife while you're having sex with other people's wives. Lots of other people's wives. There is. Okay. What I am learning about Greek mythology is that there's an extreme double standard. <laughs> Surprise! Surprise! <laughs> it's been here forever. We just didn't know it. It's That's troublesome. So this is really troublesome. I think Hera highlights it. Yes, this is what we're learning, is that like, in no matter what direction you turn, there's a double standard. Yeah. That's what Hera teaches us. She does. Okay. Continue. Because then there's another boy who's really into Hera. And he comes, but then he becomes the famous guy because he's into Hera. He gets chained to the rock in Hades. So you know how there's the guy pushing the rock up the mountain? Mm -hmm. There's the guy chained to the rock Mm -hmm. who has vultures eat his liver every day. Oh, yeah. And then it gets sewed up. And then the next day they eat the liver again. That's another guy that was into Hera. So why can he fuck anybody he wants and Hera, no one? She's not allowed to have sex with anyone but him. I hate that for her. It's upsetting because she didn't want to marry him in the first place. No, no, no. This is really sad. I clicked the printer. (laughs) (laughs) So it's very clear that Zeus can touch whoever he wants and Hera Mm -hmm. cannot. Mm -hmm. As we know, though, from the Iliad, she also played a very key role in the Trojan War. So Homer wrote, That there are three female goddesses, Hera, Athena, and Aphrodite, who are competing over who's the most beautiful. That's what, that's just what Homer has to say in the Iliad, his epic poem. Okay, that's not what they're competing about. Yeah, nobody fucking cares. It's for power. It's for power. It's for power. So Paris um, is supposed to choose who's the fairest, the Trojan Paris, and, um, the women are kind of eager to finish the bet. So Hera promises power, which she has to give. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Athena promises wisdom, which she has to give. And Aphrodite offers the most beautiful woman in existence, Helen of Troy. 
And what happens is that Helen is the wife of the king of Sparta and she is abducted from Troy. Mm. And this is where the entire battle comes from. And she, Hera, loathes the Trojans and hates Paris for choosing Aphrodite when she's like, listen, I'm just the middle-aged version of her, you whore. It's like mirror, <laughs> mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? <laughs> like a me. Okay. It's also so funny that like all these stories are about like beauty, beauty, beauty dishing on women, glorifying men. But it's like you are literally willing <laughs> to relinquish ultimate power to fuck a beautiful woman. Yeah. yeah That's they are. what I'm. When fallen on women's ears, <laughs> this, <laughs> this is, is what, what I'm, I'm hearing. hearing. It's like, you're so fucking stupid. Do you see what I see? <laughs> Don't even talk about Christmas songs to me. <laughs> I was crying to White Christmas earlier today. An amazing song. <laughs> Not even this one. You remember the, the part when they bring the general. And they all say General Who. Mm-hmm. I love it's that. It's beautiful. I love it's that movie. Beautiful. It's a beautiful mm. thing. What a good movie. Mm. Okay. So his entire life, Paris is persecuted, like, because of Hera. Like, this whole story is the entire Iliad, the entire thing with Homer, the entire thing with Odysseus uh-huh. is because Hera is pissed the fuck off. I didn't she, know that. She is okay. throwing men off the chains. I love that for her. She's mad and she mm. makes the most epic poem of all time exist because she's fucking mad. You know what's interesting too is Paris is the guy in Romeo and Juliet, correct? He's the other boy. He's the other boy. He's the Cocoaum. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for putting it in terms I understand. One might say, Paris <laughs> might say he's the Cocoa. Should I marry Cocoa? <laughs> yes, absolutely, because you're gonna like have all a- my dreaming at an, an end. end. <laughs> I was like, wow, you know, wow. you're not fucking getting off with that guy. Wow, but can he find your clit? That guy has <laughs> no orgasms in his future. Um, <laughs> Poor which is a shame because he is very hot, to be clear. So hot. I think he, but, I think he did well. But is yeah. this a John Hamm situation in it's 30 Rock? A, it is a 30 you're Rock. You're so beautiful yeah. that you can get away with being bad right. at things like sex. Yeah, exactly. Always mm-hmm. marry the ugly guy. Neither of us did that. So I was we can't say, really both married up. Uh, we married hotties. So Hottie, yeah, I don't really yeah, know yeah, what yeah, we yeah. do about that. Uh, we're on it. But at least mine was in jail. So <laughs> we. <laughs> Mine's absolutely a Zeus cheating on me. <laughs> Producer's absolutely cheating on me 100%. No, he's not. no, he's not at all. He's not interested in that whatsoever. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. You're crazy. <laughs> okay. Okay. We this episode. I was like, it's going to be a short one. It is. We're, we're still in an hour <laughs> twenty. All right, all right. The sun okay. is still the sun's the still in the sky. Okay. We can do this. I'm on my second to last page. Okay. <laughs> so there's a lot happening. After all of these popular stories about Hera, there are that Zeus has to save Dionysus because. Um, he has to sew him into his thigh to finish birthing him because Zer- Hera is trying to kill his mother. 
Um, Zeus sleeps with the beautiful queen of Libya and Hera causes her to kill her own children. The queen of the pygmies boasts that she's more beautiful than Hera. So Hera turns her into a crane. There's a nymph who doesn't show up to their wedding. So she turns her into a tortoise. There are people who are, there's this guy. He's born a man, magically transforms into a woman, but then is transformed back into a man. And Zeus and Hera have this fight over who has more pleasure while they're having sex. Zeus says women. Hera says men. Hmm. This guy agrees with Zeus and then Hera like kills him. So there's like a whole thing. She blinds him actually makes him blind. Mm -hmm. But what we need to understand about Hera is that Zeus is a brutish man. He's cruel Everybody hates him. And eventually Hera's unable to bear it. And her brothers agree and her nieces agree and Poseidon and Athena and everybody help drug Zeus and they bind him and they steal his thunderbolts. Zeus is tied up and he summons some friends. And because he's a guy, he's got a lot of friends. So he gets freed and Zeus hangs Hera from some golden chains. No. And he says he's not going to release her, like, ever. And she says, please release me. And he says, okay, I will do that, but you can never revel against me again. And from this point on, her jealousy, her hatred, her power, her anger is gone. The Roman culture ends up moving away from the Greek culture and her name is Juno and she's represented as the goddess of family and faithful marriage and the jealous Hera is gone. Juno is the most important goddess of the Roman goddesses and Jupiter and Minerva are really important and everything's happy but that's not who Hera is. Some heroes are blessed by the goddess. There is the guy, Jason, who is protected when he goes to get the golden fleece. Right, Argonauts. Mm -hmm. But I think what's most important is that in the actual empire of ancient Greece is that she is the most famous female god. There are more temples to her than any other female goddess. There's Zeus and then her. That's it. Zeus. Hera, she's second, second to all the temples because every woman getting married and every woman giving birth came to pray to Hera. And that's the thing. Men wrote about her and they hated her because she was jealous, because she was vile, because she was being the woman that they were... That made them embarrassed to be a man, I think. Mm. She made them feel embarrassed. She made them feel uncomfortable to be cheating, to be having children they didn't care about, all these things. But all the women in Greece, they had one woman who was married. They had one woman who had children, and it was Hera. Mm -hmm. And her temples still exist today, and Mm. she had more. Zeus is the only god that had more temples than Hera, and that is... Her story. That's unbelievable. I know. I can't believe that she (laughs) 
has the second most temples. That's I know. Really, you would think Athena. You would think to me but, Aphrodite, even like but you just, think like women don't connect with wisdom. They're not connecting yeah. with love. They are connecting with a woman a who scorned. has been scorned. The women okay. in Greece believe a woman has been scorned and they love her. Oh, I isn't love that. that, isn't she a hero? Yes, she is. I like, I had to tell that entire story for that 10 seconds. I love that. <laughs> because you had to understand. You, ha- you have, yeah, you got to understand the full story. All right. So now we need to get into horoscopes <laughs> because this is great. I don't, I'm curious as to what you did with yours since yours is kind of a fictional ancient character. Okay. So what did so- you do? Her children literally, like, are the constellations. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's kind of hard. So what I found out is that she is a Libra. Okay. From the second millennium BCE. Okay. So what I did is I looked up positive and negative traits of Libras. I love that. Okay. So the positive traits are, God, I need my glasses. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. I'm so old. Jesus Christ. I have to look it up on my phone. Give me- really? Do you want me to read it? Allie, my God. <laughs> I'm an old woman, Katie. No. <laughs> this whole podcast episode shook me, and now I'm really shaken. <laughs> that I can't see? you can't see. Your- I mean, it also is dark in here. We need to get a- No, that's not a- it. No, we need a floor lamp. I know we need a floor also, lamp. That's need correct. This lamp to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We no, have but a lamp it's not here. light. I just literally can't see. I need to zoom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Positive. This is me. I'm old. Okay. <laughs> Positive traits for a Libra: charming, intelligent, emotional, majestic, empathetic, honest, intuitive, powerful. Okay. That's negative. Casey. Negative. Casey's a Libra. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Negative traits untrusting oh. headstrong mm-hmm. cunning mm-hmm. manipulative <gasps> judgmental <laughs> vengeful suspicious and controlling okay okay so they're a slytherin um through and through <laughs> through and through through and through i just Very all the negative traits yeah. which are the traits that the men writing these stories highlighted mm-hmm. make mm-hmm. They they make her that makes sense a negative Libra. Right, okay, so she's a Libra. Which okay, I think is, you know, tell me always, about Grace. Tell me about Grace. So funny. Sorry, I'm just gonna talk about Casey for one more second because it's so funny because we have the same birthday. It's yeah. on Sunday. Mm-hmm. The 23rd. oh, we know we're gonna about to have Sorry, dinner last week. About to have dinner about it. Um, and it's so funny because we're born on the same day, but we're born on the cusp, and that's what makes it fun. That's what makes our marriage spicy. Okay, you... so uh, I think Casey's a Libra and I'm a Scorpio. I believe that a hundred percent. A hundred percent. You should also know I bought you guys a present at a store, but then I bought you a separate present online but it's not here yet <laughs> okay so now i don't know what to whatever's do. fine because i never buy anybody birthday presents ever so it's all fine so <laughs> grace is grace. sagittarius mm-hmm. which is one i don't think we talk about very much because me because you <laughs> um are you a sagittarius no you're not yes i am. are you 23rd november sagittarius yeah. okay i didn't realize it went to the 23rd of november the first of that's the Wherever first day. she was born. First day. Okay. This is hers. Have the courage of your own convictions, and you can achieve some kind of a breakthrough today. Mm. The dynamic planet Mars helps to boost your energy reserves and to overcome a challenge. 
It also pulses you in a stronger position with a loved one or a work colleague. They should be more responsive to your suggestions if you make them clear. That is so grace. Just be like, I love that it said, if you make your suggestions clear, because her whole thing is communication. Right. Be clear. Tell me what you're going to do. I love (laughs) it. And also, it's like, you can have a breakthrough. Like, she made all the breakthroughs. Come on. Okay. So, now that we're done, our 13th season, Horoscopes, we need to talk about these two women in conversation with each other in a little segment we like to call, Just the Two of Us. Okay. This was hard. I I wrote a lot. We wrote a lot. We both but did. It is but hard. It was hard. The connections are hard. So where I, do you want to start? I want to start with <laughs> fighting and birth and marriage. So it's so interesting to me that Hera is kind of kept to the side for birth and marriage. And Grace kind of gave up her marriage and maybe potential birthing possibilities to fight after the United States entered World War II. That's very interesting to me. It's like, why is it either or? Why are we excluding mothers from fighting? Because we don't exclude fathers. Mm. Zeus was a father to many. To and all we, the gods. To all the gods. And yeah. we don't have a problem with him fighting. So that's where I want to start which is also uh, pointing to the greater theory of these two is the double standard. Yeah, I think, you know, World War II, I connected it in my notes to Olympus. Uh-huh. Like, there is just such a powerful connection between what is happening in ancient Greece to what is happening during World War II. Mm-hmm. We have these massive empires who are fighting one another. And you have Greece saying, yes, our gods fought. Fo- fought against the titans like mm-hmm. th- these are world changing wars that yeah. people are talking about and they're both involved in that and even yeah. though Hera is kind of sidelined the same way that grace is kind of sidelined they're both powerful in those moments well and they're second in command uh, both of you- them <laughs> i wrote that too second, second in second command in command to no one it's so frustrating because they are the next most powerful person in the room, and yet no one acknowledges them as such. Mm. And that is so incredibly frustrating to me. It is. It's, it's tiring, honestly. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was in love with the phrase that you said, regular people should be able to do this. <laughs> yeah. And I, about computers, but mm-hmm. I think Hera was feeling that about marriage, and I think it was strangling her. Like, yeah. regular people can do this, and I'm the god of this, and I can't. Well, because that's the thing. I think that communication was the basis of both of their situations. Mm-hmm. You know, Hera and Zeus had a communication problem because he was allowed to do all the talking. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't even acknowledging that she is technically second in charge. He's taking up all the air in the room. He's not allowing her to talk. And if you want a relationship to function properly, you both have to have room to talk. And if you want a computer to talk properly, 
you have to communicate with it. You know, like communication was actually something that I found was a beautiful connection between the two because they're trying it out in very different ways. Mm. And I think Hera was trying it out and being like, okay, well, I'm going to fucking curse every woman you try to have a child with. And that was her way to communicate because she literally didn't have another way to communicate with her husband. Like, I don't like this. Right. That was her way. And Grace's way was like, okay, uh, we need to transfer English to binary code. <laughs> Cobalt. Like, you know, like that's her communication method. But both are crucial to success- successful marriage or computer program. Well, and I think Grace, too, was just like straight up like, I don't want to be a teacher. Yeah. And I think that Hera was like, I want to teach people how to have a good marriage, but if I can't have a marriage myself, I think her entire story is an identity crisis. Mm -hmm. She's falling apart because she is unsure of how to do her job Mm -hmm. because she has been disenfranchised by everybody around her. Mm -hmm. Nobody's taking her seriously because the boy in charge has made her feel insignificant. And I cannot imagine. No. I cannot imagine. No, and it's interesting to me that Hera is the goddess of marriage and birth, and we think about her giving birth to all of these gods and goddesses and basic, basically making up this world of Olympus that we know oh, yeah. and appreciate. And Grace did the same thing. Write the gave, book on it. She gave birth to the age of the computer. Yeah. Just like Hera ushers us into the world of Olympus mm-hmm. and the worlds of the world of Greek mythology. Grace was ushering us into the age of computers. Both are complex, both are weird. We don't fully understand it, but we get kind of the picture. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and both are necessary to how we exist today because you have to know something about computers. Mm-hmm. And you also like in order to get a lot of cultural nuances you have to know about greek mythology in this weird way like we think that we would have thrown all of that out by now and we just haven't and it's even come through in the way that we talk we talked about two words that we use on a regular basis milky way and debugging Uh both of those came from these fucking women they are common phrases that we have that we use And that I didn't know had roots in these very cool, powerful women who also weren't asking for much. Mm -mm. Grace was never asking to be the queen of coding. She's like, I just want to encourage more people to code. And Hera wasn't asking to be the queen of Olympus. She was asking for respect from her husband. It's yeah. kind of like the bare minimum. And I also <laughs> think like there are these two moments when she attempted to have like there are these other men coming to Olympus who are interested in her. And I think if there's a more open conversation, like there could have been a better definition of marriage. Mm-hmm. Like that our marriage can have this open status, which is like not necessarily something everybody wants to do Mm -hmm. but like zeus clearly wanted an open marriage and she didn't so they were married on not congenial terms but Mm -hmm. like then there are these men that want to have relationships with her and they're being cursed so she is feeling very closed off so the communication it's just not right no 
it's not right the and also the definition of marriage is very also like we know it's archaic right mm-hmm. like that it has to be a man and a woman it has to be monogamous like all of that's crazy but Hera is trying and she just I think she felt pigeonholed into being a teacher she wasn't allowed to be part of the war she's forced to marry her brother like I just think there are so many things going on and I have never looked at Hera with compassion until I did this research I've always been like she's terrible she's jealous and terrible but there's a reason yeah well and it's also this funny thing of like I feel like they both have this power and nobody wants it you know you talked about Hera promising power Mm. to this guy and he chooses to just have sex with the most beautiful woman on on the face of the planet yeah (laughs) you know it's like i'm promising you power i'm promising you that computers will be easy to communicate with and they will bring you wealth and prosperousness and like i'm promising you power but you don't want it because you want the thing troy (laughs) You want the thing that's in front of you right now instead of looking to the future. And I think that these women were looking to the future, both of them. Yeah. And I think that they were trying to make a better future for the woman. And if that looked like vengeance or anger or speaking their mind, whatever it was, they were going to do it. Yeah, women are angry. We're angry. We are angry. And it's okay for you to be angry. My God. Like, Like, I'm pissed off, too. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's Uh, right. All right. Well, who do you want to toast this evening? So I just want to toast people that are feeling really undermined in Mm. their relationships, Mm -hmm. that they feel like they're made a fool of, because I just... I just am so connected with, like, people who feel like they feel stupid. Like, I don't know. Like, sometimes I'll be somewhere, a producer, and somebody will ask us a question and we'll answer it. And I'll be like, that made me feel so stupid. That's mm. one of our biggest – What most of our fights are really? over. Like, and the, him too. Like, our biggest insecurities is when we make each other feel stupid in public. Interesting. So it's very – like it was this, I connected with this a lot. I don't like feeling dumb. Yeah. So I just, anybody who's ever like been saying something in public and somebody openly contradicted you and you <sighs> felt kind of like an asshole. The worst feeling. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> what do you got? I am going to toast women who see the future and bring us there with them. <laughs> Grace could see regular people using computers before the people who built computers had even really finished building them. Mm. (laughs) And I love that. And I love that her whole thing was communication because just like a healthy relationship, she's like, we need to have a healthy relationship with computers. We need to be able to talk to them in our own fucking language. And I think there is something very deeply moving about that. Okay. (laughs) So, To people that, yeah, to women who are focused on communication and to women who bring us into the future, I think you're incredible. Cheers. Cheers. Grace. All right. Now, what are you enjoying in pop culture this week? Okay. 
So everybody knows on the show that I finished 100 books this year. Nice. It's been like 110. Mm -hmm. Done. And I recommended these books earlier in the year. Mm -hmm. But I want to say that the only books I'm still thinking about are the Shatter Me series. Shatter Me series. Okay. So I, I think I promoted it maybe about six months ago, but it's the only ones. There's about six of them and they're short. And they're really good. Mm -hmm. It's a very dystopian future. And I think it's artistically written, which is mm -hmm. what I liked. I mm -hmm. like, like when you read enough young adult fiction or enough fantasy or enough romance novels, at some point you're like, they all sound the same. This one doesn't right. sound the okay. same. And they're just really good, especially the first one or two. And they're short and easy to get through. And for kids, like teenagers, so... I just, it's, they're like kind of like an X-Men. Oh, Like okay. all the people in the series have mm -hmm. like powers, but her, like it opens you up with the girl who has power, like the rogue power. She can't touch anybody without oh, killing anyone. God, it's so upsetting. But it's more like serious because she's in prison for that. So she's just like sitting there like, I don't want to kill anyone. I don't want to kill anyone. And you open up into her journals. And okay. um, just the first like book is just her in her head and it is the most artistic thing I've read in a long time okay. and I read a hundred books this year nice. so it's still sticking with me yeah so anybody else Excellent. read it okay okay what do you got I'm gonna recommend pumpkin carving <gasps> my god it's so fun it is so fun and it will be coming this episode will be coming out next week and that is a couple days before Halloween Yay! our favorite time and a couple days after Katie's birthday after my birthday <laughs> So carve you a pumpkin mean Katie's for me. birthday is perfect. Carve a pumpkin for Katie. Let me tell you, I honestly, every time I do it, I'm like, man, this is weird. This is so fucking weird. And I love it. And every year I'm like, I'm going to save the pumpkin seeds. I'm going to roast them. And I never do. Do you want to come with us this year? You want to do it with us? With the kids? What? what day do you want to do it? I don't know. Let's do it one day this week. Okay. After the Halloween party. <gasps> the kids will love it. Oh, I love carving pumpkins. Okay. Oh, and the kids love it. I truly love it. And. Casey and I, every year, I'll buy different pumpkins if we carve with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But every year, and this has been, like, a very sweet tradition. Like, we put on, like, a, you know, Halloween movie, whether it be, you know, fucking Corpse Bride or Hocus Nightmare Pocus. Before Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas. Whatever. This year, we're going to do Scooby-Doo. Fun. <laughs> fun. Fun, fun, fun. Which I saw in theaters. No brag. Um, and we carve pumpkins and we drink beer and it's so fun. So like, if you are thinking like carving pumpkins is lame, just do we it. Love it's it. so we great. Love it. Oh, it's great. And it's so satisfying. So anyways, carving pumpkins and honestly, just do a regular jack-o'-lantern. I do a jack-o'-lantern every year. That's I want you do. to know That's that. I do. Yeah. I do triangle eyes. Square teeth. <laughs> I do the same fucking thing now, every year. I think just we love fun. that. So obviously, so people who listen or watch regularly know we're coming up to our Halloween party this weekend. Aww. But producer's leaving next weekend, so he's going to be gone on <gasps> Halloween. No, he's going to be gone. So it's just going to be me and the girls. <gasps> Are they going to go trick or treating? Yeah, we'll go. Okay. We'll all okay. go together. But it's like. The things leading up to it have all been kind of sad because everybody knows he's leaving. Mm, so it's mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. we're going to carve pumpkins now. You know, it's like the things where it's like, you're supposed to be here. Yeah. So it's kind of sad. But 
We're working on it. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Carve pumpkins, Carve pumpkins. Find your inner child. books. Uh, watch some movies. Mm. Just have a good time. Yeah. Um, but most of all, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That would be the absolute best. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can't do that, join us on Patreon. <laughs> We're the best. It's on a Patreon. slightly bigger ask. Um, <laughs> it's a one dollar ask. It's a one dollar ask. One dollar for a dollar a month. Think about this: twelve dollars a year, and you can hang out with us for a little bit longer. And we talk about random shit. Ugh. Sometimes we cry. Yeah, sometimes I. Most let me tell you honestly, most times I found out that I was a horse recently, and I was <laughs> shocked. I was shocked. It shook me to my core. So if you want to hang out and have conversations like that with us, mm-hmm. join us on patreon.com. Yeah. Um, but us. you can also find us everywhere. We post cocktails every Tuesday, unless I forget. I was really down to the wire this Tuesday. That's okay. Sometimes it happens Wednesday. We have a tipsy Wednesday. And it's fine. A wino Wednesday. Wino. And it's fine. But regardless of any of all of that, we love you. And we hope that you never forget that well-behaved women know exactly what day they're carving their pumpkins. Yeah, and they rarely make history. (laughs) Goodbye. listening to her story on the rocks we are independently produced by 1986 entertainment and proudly recorded in baltimore maryland if there's a woman in history you would like us to cover you can email us at herstoryontherocks at gmail.com you can also message us on twitter or instagram we post all of our cocktail recipes on tuesdays so that you can go get all the supplies you need and drink along with us see you next week bye